Welcome to the five questions for a field service expert podcast. This is the show for field service professionals where we dig into the big questions about field service delivery and management. Every episode, we ask a field service expert five questions that can help you do your job better. Today, we're talking to Tim Sparks. Tim is Chief Growth Officer at Pro Automated. As, as Chief growth, uh, growth Officer, Tim works with service companies looking to expand by providing highly skilled and fully trained service technicians to augment their current field force. Uh, Pro Automated has completed around about 10,000 projects with field service engineers across North America. They've worked at uh, LAX, doing uh, work at the Marriott. They've worked at St. Thomas Church. Lincoln Financial Field. So it runs the gamut in terms of what Pro Automated can do and where they can work. Before moving into this role, Tim worked at Pro Automated actually as a field service engineer himself. He has been uh, operations director and COO as well as CFO. So many, many hats and has a very well-rounded view into field service uh, management and, and field service organizations. Tim, welcome and thanks so much for chatting with us here at Mobile Reach. Thank you, Dan. Great. Well, you know, we have five questions for you as we do for all of our field service experts. Uh, so let's go ahead and get rolling. What, what, what kind of company culture do you find uh, is most conducive to an engaged and satisfied field tech? Yeah, so people join field service uh, because they want to help others, in my opinion. And field service engineers uh, tend to be uh, very independent people. Um, they work with this uh, in incredible autonomy out in the field and with customers. And th those are all great aspects of a company culture um, for engaged and satisfied workforce in general, and then especially for, for a field service workforce. So that said, I think that some of the the greatest strengths of that company culture can also be its uh, its weaknesses. And, and we need to be able to provide some sort of um, collaboration. So isolation is one of the main complaints of my field engineers. Um, it's a very difficult job to do in field service. You feel alone. Sometimes you're out there on an island all by yourself. Uh, so things like text groups, um, <clears throat> regional outings, higher company outings for a field team, a quarterly performance reviews, so constant feedback, um, those, all those kind of things can help really increase a collaboration with the field team and that's a tough line to walk because on the one hand um, you know those things that are making that that field service culture um, the lack of micromanagement being independent being the guy that customers go to to get problems solved um, and too much quantity you know they can be a detriment to culture um, so I think really as I look at pro automated where where we start culture and this is uh, I'm sure not a surprise for most people is, is day one that day one training for a field engineer when they're with others when they're at the company headquarters or at a training facility um, and then the weeks that follow that training when they're with people those are just crucial to building and maintaining that company culture um, and then I, I think more on the retention side of culture, a culture of, of growth. And a lot of people now in field service are talking about uh, growth plans and development plans and um, things like uh, yeah, career paths. Um, so, you know, when, when you're in the field and you feel stuck, like there's nowhere to go, uh, that culture can deteriorate pretty quickly. Um, so having either an internal or external resource, um, internal strategy to build a plan for, 
um, for a culture of advancement opportunity and and it doesn't have to necessarily be promotions i mean it can just be personal development but i think that's key for a uh, for a culture that is conducive to an engaged and satisfied workforce Nice. That makes a ton of sense. I love the idea of career paths and, and quarterly reviews. It, it makes a ton of sense. And it sounds like there's, um, you know, a lot of good sort of playbook borrowing from other, frankly, other businesses, other business models. Um, and, and that, that's a, that's just a good, a good best practice across the board. Um, you know, if you, if you think about then translating this into sort of skills and, and, and competitive, uh, you know, mindsets, if you think about what makes a highly skilled field tech, what do you think the top three qualities you would look for uh, are in that tech when, say, when you sit down with him or her in a, in a quarterly review? Yeah, uh, I, I love this question. And, and really, this stems all the way back to recruiting. What are you looking for in, in a potential field service engineer? Um, so I, I have three things here, and, and these are in order. Uh, the first one is what um, I like to call, and we call it pro-automated social engineering. So the soft skills, the, the people awareness, the knowledge of what or what not to say, uh, when to say it and who to say it to, all those kind of, you know, you, you know, I don't want to refer to them as intangibles, but um, again, kind of the, the soft skill package of a person. Um, then number two, what we look for is people who are uh, problem detectives. So these aren't just people who want to go out and solve problems, but they actually go looking for problems when they're on site. They go looking for root causes. They want to know why something doesn't work, not just how to fix it and how to get off the job site. And then last um, is technical. There's obviously got to be a base level of technical ability and kind of time management skills for anybody in field service. Um, I'm Honestly, I'm less concerned with how, with whether a field engineer actually knows how to fix something, and I'm more concerned with um, whether they know how to find the information to fix something, whether that's a knowledge database or who to talk to. So, you know, do they know where to go in, in the company or who to talk to or who to find out uh, this information from? Um, and if I added a fourth category, I would add in what I'll call project management. And by that, I really mean, uh, does can the field engineer see see the forest and, and then the trees. You know, does the, does the field technician go out there and can they get a scope of the project and the who's who and assign work to the other um, people that are there on the job site? Not, not the ones that work for them, but the ones that they need to collaborate with. You know, can they get the requests out for help? Um, the problems that they think they're gonna have on that, you know, day one of the project, not, you know, the day before it's supposed to be done. Um, and then can they get in to the trees. So rather than just jumping in and attacking one thing and then going on to the next and next, only to figure out that you know they're they're not actually solving the right problem. Um, you know, I found that that level of project management tends to give the customer a really high level of confidence in the field engineer. Um, so even if they can't, it doesn't matter what's going on at the job site as long as they have that confidence in the field engineer that he's going to take care of them and and get it done. And as an aside, I did a little bit of research. Uh, most companies that, that I talked to and that I found actually have my, my first and third responses uh, flipped. So they have technical first uh, and then problems second and soft skills third. Um, so, I, you know, it's up to I think probably individual companies on the order uh, of the requirements. But for me, um, 
I find that it's a person without the right soft skills tends to get into more um, challenges and issues than a person without the right technical skills that can learn them. Maybe a, another way to say that is it's easier to teach technical skills with that base level of technical knowledge than it is to teach soft skills. Yeah, you mentioned um, you mentioned recruiting uh, in terms of how pro automated looks for a type of 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 worker. What what, what do you think um, technology? Uh, what impact I should say do you think technology has in recruiting uh, and retaining? field technicians, either pro-automated or in what you've observed in the, in the, in the broader industry? Yeah, uh, it definitely plays a role. Um, certainly, I'm not alone in that, as the majority of companies think that technology will play some sort of role. Um, you know, as I was thinking about, it, about technology and uh, pro-automated, we're expanding, um, we're getting into uh, live video and some wearables and augmented reality and um, you know, a lot of the hardware and the bandwidth just aren't there yet. And so as we look at um, once they're there, how are we going to use that to uh, drive costs down, drive the amount of training, the you know, time it takes to train down? Um, how does that, how does technology help us in general? You know, I was, technology is just taken for granted by incoming missions, the millennials, and then soon to be the centennials. Um, it's just expected, you know. Uh, so I would actually kind of flip the question and, and, and say that really a lack of technology might play a bigger role in driving field engineers away um, and, and not being able to recruit and retain the right people if you don't have the technology rather than the, the fact that you have technology bringing them to you. Um, so I think it's, again, just now it's just expected. I mean, doing things online or in the field with mobile uh, resources, um, it's just it's just the way of life. Uh, like I said, you know, right now some of the kind of the newer cutting edge stuff isn't quite there yet. And so um, I don't think that it's gonna, not having that at this point is going to drive people away. Um, but having a vision for that, the vision for how technology is going to be used um, to change field service is very important for companies. Well, that that takes us right into the whole notion of of the field technician, the the talent shortage. Really, is 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 the the, the meat of the matter. And you know, it's not showing for, from from what I've observed, and I'm sure from what you've seen, the the it's not really letting up. There are um, massive volumes of of openings available. Um, there's a tremendous amount of uh, movement within the field service industry from uh, from company to company at the technician level. How do you ensure that you have the technicians you need, let's say at, at ProAutomated, to address uh, the field service needs of your own customers? Yeah, this is definitely a challenge. Um, and it's not just a shortage of field technicians. Um, you know, in America, we're experiencing a shortage of labor talent in general. And so um, since ProAutomated is, it's all about, we're all about providing trained field service resources to our customers. Um, this is, you know, this is our bread and butter. We spend a lot of time on this challenge. Um, I think that the statistic is uh, over 70% of, of companies, you know, know they're going to face a talent crisis, a field service specific talent crisis in the next 10 years. And I personally think that it's starting right now and it's, it's going to be um, very acute in the next three to five. Uh, so, for pro automated, we 
we had to adjust how we do our recruiting. Um, we had to build a constant recurring pipeline to fill our positions instead of just posting at the times of year when we typically um, hired, we started to keep a, a pipeline open all the time. So we're always recruiting. Um, now, one of the other things that we did is uh, we rarely, um, I'll call it poach from, from other field service companies, of, of course not our customers, but really from, from anybody that's already in field service. It's very rare for us to hire someone with field service experience. Uh, we prefer to hire talent and then to train them to be good field service engineers. So we've developed um, training around field service to take people who don't have any experience in the industry and, and um, get them up to speed quickly. Um, and this type of you know full-time, consistent, it's got to be quick response. And by quick response for recruiting, I mean like same-day response because people are moving on to the next company if you're not getting back to them. Um, it's it's not for everyone, um, and that's why we partner with so many companies in the way that we we do. It's uh, for us. It's recruit, train, retain. Um, it's if we do those things, um, we always keep our pipeline full and growing. Um, and again, there's challenges on each three of those uh, areas. So I I think uh, you know the field service profession in general really is attractive to uh, to millennials um, and to, to so again to, to younger people entering the workforce or that are in the workforce um, and you know solving problems uh, new technology travel in the independence of work those are all things and aspects of the job that are attractive to to these new workers um, I, I really think it's it's our job and pro automated taking that on um, on itself as well to do a better job of, of marketing these things and um, you know advertising the the benefits of a job in field service. You know your your recruiting philosophy sounds really um, similar to uh, the, the Daniel Pink theory around autonomy, mastery, and purpose. I don't know if you're familiar, but he he he, he argues that everyone in their in their in their working life wants to have those three things. They want to have a degree of autonomy. They want to have a degree of mastery. They want to feel good that they know what they're doing, and then of course they want to have purpose. And 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 the way you're the way you're describing how pro automated attracts folks to to the profession is is very much in line with that. Which is kudos, kudos to you guys for that. Well, I mean, where do you think Daniel Pink got his theories from? <laughs> uh, no, I I, well, I, I, I'm, I am familiar with that book, and and he has been uh, somewhat instrumental in our in our philosophy. That's correct. Cool. Well, uh, so other, well, I guess let me, let me jump to one sort of final question for you. Uh, fifth on the list here for, um, for you at pro automated being a supplier of, of contingent field field techs, other than being shorthanded, let's say at my field service organization, why, why would I leverage uh, a contingent contingent workforce? Yeah. Um, Obviously, a question I can go into into great detail on with with my own opinions, and um, I'll try to give a very uh, unbiased answer here, and maybe some questions to to consider. Um, so, you know, we provide we're a third party service provider. We provide contingent workers, um, typically on a full time basis, to long term uh, relationships, long term partners. Uh, most of our customers have been with us for uh, between five and ten years, um, and 
you know, there are a number of reasons why, and I, I just went to them and I asked them, there, there are a number of reasons why um, they use us and why a field service organization might look at a contingent workforce. Um, I, no surprise to anyone, the best response is um, to increase profit, right? It's you either can use a contingent workforce to increase your revenues, to decrease your costs, um, and in doing those, increase your profit. That's the number one reason why anyone should look at a contingent workforce. Um, you know, probably 10 years ago, outsourcing field service was, it was kind of a dirty word. And now really it's become sort of the standard, I'll, I'll say. Um, you know, over 75% of companies uh, outsource some part of their field work. Um, and those companies on average that do um, outsource a third of their field work uh, to contingent workforces. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely here um, and it should be considered at least. And so some of the top reasons that my customers use uh, my services at Pro Automated, um, you, you mentioned the need obviously and that's and that's probably um, the the lowest reason why but sometimes you just you just can't hire either you can't get the open recs at your company um, they can't find or attract the right talent in the right location need is obviously something that does drive uh, the use of contingent workers um, but I would say number one on the list is uh, to decrease uh, response times so to to round out the field service team uh, to get someone to the customer faster to increase their coverage area um, in the US um, you know, please right into the number two reason which is decreasing travel costs so that increased coverage even if it's having more people in the same location um, you know then at the time when you have to fly somebody in to a city uh, where you already have people uh, you can uh, you just it just gives you more flexibility uh, along with that with uh, response time and travel costs is reducing labor costs typically that comes from the fixed labor costs, you know, things like benefits, healthcare, all the overhead hidden hidden into someone's salary, um, which can run, you know, as much as um, half someone's salary all the way up to a, a full uh, salary. Only using a contingent worker and paying a contingent worker when you need to use them. So you don't pay for holidays or vacation. You don't pay for any time. Any unused uh, time is not paid for. Um, I mentioned the need and, and you did as well Dan and then last it would be the ability to kind of smooth the ebbs and flows in field service work so if there's some some months or weeks where you know you have a real peak uh, and then some valleys using contingent workers can kind of provide you with the ability to expand and contract based on demand um, those are those are the main reasons that uh, our customers come to us and that, that we've continued to do work uh, long-term with these customers. Um, obviously, it has to do a lot with partnership and uh, a long-term relationship. It's, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of questions that a company would need to ask um, on whether a contingent workforce and then what type of contingent workforce. Obviously, now there's so many different companies and different um, just platforms, you know, do you go independent contractors, do you use a company that actually has workers, all kinds of different questions to ask. Um, all of those, you know, it's they're really internal company decisions that are going to be driven by all, all these different factors uh, that a company needs to be able to ask those questions uh, and then decide for themselves.
Well, that, that makes all the sense in the world. And you mentioned uh, the relationship piece and, and partnering with, with organizations you worked with for a long time. Um, I, I, I'm sure that speaks very highly of, of the, um, you'd talk about attracting, training, and, and retaining. I imagine your, your customers feel the exact same way about, about pro-automated and, and having those relationships long-term. Yeah, good. Thanks, Jim. Cool. Well, Tim, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us on five questions for a field service expert. You can learn more about ProAutomated at ProAutomated.com. Uh, in the meantime, Tim Sparks, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to five questions for a field service expert. For more expert views on field service, subscribe to the Mobile Reach blog at MobileReach.com. <laughs>